three chuckleheads, two SEC fans, one amazing show, and tons of fun. Yup, you're listening to Triple Threat on Blaze Radio, Blaze Radio Online. I'm Keith Dotley. We got Ty Conrad. We got Harris Hicks. Guys, we're back, and we got a lot in store. Keith, that was an awesome intro. That was thank a you, great thank intro. Thank you. I, I typed out like five seconds before the show, but <laughs> it worked out. And uh, Chuckleheads is pretty accurate. Chuckleheads. Yeah, is fair enough. You can't you can't talk about the show without mentioning the fact that we're Chuckleheads. Yeah, like if we were an essay and you had to write an abstract, a keyword, a Chucklehead's got to be called one hundred percent. I mean, we are in college, so good little academic reference there, but. Guys, we got a lot of good stuff going on today. We have a really special interview later yes, we do. in the show. Yes. Make sure to stay tuned for that. But first, it was a wild weekend in college hoops. Iowa has lost four out of their last five. Same with Texas. Alabama has lost two of their last three. Wisconsin's on a skid. Kansas is on a skid. Guys, what do we think of these teams who were top ten for most of the season and now they're all kind of falling out of there? They're on skids. Who do you think is most likely to bounce back? What teams may end up trending towards the bubble, if any? Harris, what do you think? Keith, I think people are figuring Iowa out. Mm-hmm. But look at their schedule. Rutgers, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Penn State, OSU, Michigan, Wisconsin. They could win a lot of those games. That's a favorable schedule. Rutgers mm-hmm. and Michigan State, those are easy wins. Penn State, potentially. I could go on. I think Iowa, out of all those teams, has the highest chance to bounce back. Now, about Alabama. When Alabama doesn't hit their shots, who are they? That's the question. That's the million-dollar question because they haven't proved that they can beat you otherwise. Harris, they're still a good defensive team. I mean, I mean, this they is a are. team who's been very cold, but like, they're second in defensive efficiency on Ken Palm. That's true. That's true. I'll give you that. But to me, have they have they won games like that? Like they lost to. I know they lost to Western Kentucky <clears throat> a lot by missing their shots. They lost to Stanford by 18 missing their shots. That was earlier in the season. I get that. But I'm not on the Alabama hype train yet because they're one-dimensional offensively. I don't know. I just think because Alabama plays in the SEC, they have the easiest schedule left. They play South Carolina, Georgia, A&M, Vandy, Arkansas, Mississippi State, and Auburn. Whereas Iowa, you play Michigan and Ohio State, which, according to the AP poll, two top five teams in the nation. And you also play Wisconsin twice. And then flipping over to Texas, you play, in my opinion, the hardest conference in basketball. You play Oklahoma, you play West Virginia, and you end out the season with Kansas and Texas Tech. So I think who's more likely to bounce back? I think it's Alabama because of how weak their schedule is. But who's going to bounce back in terms of for March? I'm going to have to go with Keith and ride with the Longhorn Wave. I don't trust Iowa. I think teams are figured out Iowa. And I also agree with Harris in the sense that when Alabama isn't shooting well, they aren't at their best. And I think... Texas really just nothing was going their way against Oklahoma State, and they should bounce back. They have two relatively easy games between Kansas State and TCU. Yeah, Harris, we agree about a lot normally. You know, we, we have very similar personalities, <laughs> yes. very similar I values. mean, all chuckleheads think alike, right? Well, Ty doesn't think <laughs> well, very similar to us. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But I just disagree with the sake that Iowa has an easy schedule. Agreed. Every team but one is in the top 28 in the net right now. That means every one of those games is going to be a quad one opportunity, except for at Michigan State. You don't even get Michigan State at home. And they play at Ohio State and at Michigan back-to-back going into March. And then they finish the season with Wisconsin, which they're on a skid, but they're still not an easy out, especially for an Iowa team that isn't overly athletic. Wisconsin normally has problems with those teams who are super athletic and can take advantage of really a bunch of unathletic players who really don't get the job done on on the defensive end, as we've seen. But we all know I'm a Texas fan, but I'm going to stick up for this team for a second because this stretch 
they had it at the worst possible time. Yeah, they I played mean, a lot of tough teams. Yeah, and yeah. that Oklahoma game, they lose by one, and they're missing three of their probably top six most important players. They're missing their head coach. And then you play a Baylor team that's what me and Ty think is the best team in the country. Yeah. Um, and then you play at Oklahoma State against Cade Cunningham, the number one overall pick probably. Who had a pretty bad game, to say the least. He did, yeah. but Texas, who's a good three-point shooting on team on the year, shooting over 35% yeah. as a team, 5 of 35 mm-hmm. from three guys. That's not going to happen anytime again this year. And a lot of that had to do with your boy Greg Brown. That was... Don't even get me started on Greg. <laughs> Don't even get me started on Greg. Y'all have heard me talk plenty about him. Um, he puts up great highlights, though. I do want to compliment him on that. Um, but this team plays at Kansas State, and they play TCU at home. And Kansas yeah, State's a D2 team. May I say. <laughs> Basically, they lost to one already this year. Yeah. And then they play at Oklahoma, at Iowa State, but all of those could be wins, and really the only game where you're really scared is at Oklahoma, and then you get West Virginia and Kansas at home after that, and then finish at Texas Tech. Yeah. By that time, I think the team will be back in rhythm and humming, and we'll see what happens in the Big 12 tournament, but I think this team definitely ends up as a four-seater better if everything plays out like I think it will. Ty, what do you think? I completely agree. I think Texas is built for March, and I also think that, as Harris said, Alabama's very one-dimensional. Keith, I agree with you, right? Defensively, they're great, but offensively, when they're not hitting their shots, nothing's really falling for them. Agreed. And then when you go to Iowa, a lot of teams have figured this team out. They've lost four of their last five, two to Indiana, and obviously, you know, they played Illinois and Ohio State and those other two, so those are fine losses. But, Harris, I just don't know where you're coming from in terms of their quote-unquote easy schedule. They play Ohio State, Michigan, and as Keith said, every team is in the top 28 in the net except for Michigan State. So you guys talk about Alabama being one-dimensional, okay? Right. Texas offensively is a little one-dimensional, too. True. They're shooting 33% from three, which is 192nd in the country. Yeah. Harris, that was very skewed by this game. They're shooting about 35% for that. They were like top I'll give you that. I'll give you that. that And it's tough because... They get a lot of scoring and offense from their guards. I know you've watched more Texas than I, yep. more Texas than I. Uh, your assessment is right on. Yeah, at the front court is a little offensively at least a little controversial at times. So for me, Iowa can score in and out. They also shoot fifty three percent from two. They can they can stroke it on the threes. If you watch the games, you would know that. But for me, but that's why I'm that, gonna take Iowa. Where was that against Indiana though? Both yeah, well, that's true. That's true. It wasn't. Where there. has that been recently? I mean, I, I think teams are just starting to figure this team out and. Alabama, they're starting to get figured out a little bit. All these teams, teams are starting to get a blueprint on them. But, I mean, me and you, Harris, we watched that Missouri game, and Missouri just pushed it up court every single time down the court. And fast breaks and transition really killed Alabama, and it was too little too late when they weren't hitting their shots. So we'll agree to disagree, I guess. I'll say Iowa. Yeah, we will. You guys say Texas. And now to we've talked a little bit about Colgate basketball. We've talked about the one and only Jeff Woodward. We have a little interview with none other than Fives Up, number 55 on the Raiders basketball team, Jeff Woodward. And and now we bring in one of my best friends, none other than number 55 on the Colgate Raiders, Fives Up, Jeff Woodward. Jeff, welcome to the podcast. Uh, thank you guys for having me. No problem. And Keith, I'll kick it off to you first. Jeff, there's so many questions I want to ask you, man. We've heard a lot about you. So how was your recruiting process like? When did Colgate get in touch with you, and how did you kind of end up there? And uh, what were some things that really stood out to you about Colgate? So with the whole recruiting process, Colgate was really one of the first schools that reached out to me. 
Uh, it was mostly getting recruited by a lot of uh, the Patriot League and the Ivy League. And Colgate was really one of the first ones that reached out. And they were really consistent in uh, their communication, which is a big thing for me. You know, knowing that you're a valued, like you're valued in their eyes is really important because that, that type of relationship not only is, you know, nice to have uh, while getting recruited to learn more about the school and everything, but then obviously on campus, it helps, you know, immensely with your just relationship with your coach and everything. And just how I ended up here, really it was the, the coaching staff obviously was a big part of it. The, it's a bunch of great guys on the staff and they did a really good job of explaining what the program was all about. And so in explaining what it was all about, it seemed very similar to what uh, to the styles that I played in, in both high school and AAU, which obviously meant that I was going to be very comfortable here, which was, you know, very nice for me because it was a position where I felt that I could step right in and contribute immediately. Beginning of August, um, I ended up committing here just due to a wide variety of factors, not just, you know, everything basketball related, but obviously it's a great academic school because, you know, eventually... I'm going to stop playing basketball. Hopefully that's not for a long time, but uh, uh, it is going to happen. And so uh, I knew I wanted to have something to fall back on. And then I came back up here uh, again, the uh, beginning of my senior year on another visit uh, with actually one of the other freshmen and just had a blast. And at that time I I knew I had made the right decision and I I was really happy and comfortable here. So, so Jeff, uh, you talked about a story in high school, or no, Ty actually did. He's told me about this. His wrist was broken by someone. Yeah. Can you please someone, tell me the story? Someone <laughs> wanted to break my wrist in uh, seventh grade. Why don't you tell him about that? Um, yeah, so uh, what had happened was uh, we were playing, uh, I think we were just, I think we were just playing twos uh, with two, two of the other kids from uh, uh, our area to I ended up graduating with over at Methacken. Um, and it was a very competitive game, and uh, it was the end of the game, and Ty uh, unfortunately beat me off the dribble, and uh, I went up for the block, and there may have been some contact with the body, and, and Ty fell down, and uh, he unfortunately broke his wrist, but you know, that's just that's just competitive spirit in me, I think, you know, never wanting to give up an easy basket, so yes, that did unfortunately happen, and I'm reminded of that essentially every time I see Ty. Wow. So also Ty claims that back in the day, he was a better foul shooter than you. Is this true? Uh, it was, it was <laughs> most definitely true. Uh, I didn't crack like 50% yeah. in high school. <laughs> I you know, Maybe I did. Maybe one season I cracked 50%. This year I'm shooting like 70 something percent. So like, I mean, like now definitely me. Um, but yeah, no, growing up, I was not very good. I can admit that. Yeah, so Harris likes to bust on me a lot, but I am both right in both situations. So let me explain to viewers how it actually happened. What happened was it's 19-19 in a 21 game, and I'm going up for a layup. I beat Jeff off the dribble, and Jeff takes two hands, shoves me, doesn't go to the block, shoves me to the ground. I don't care what you say. And then I try to stop my fall. This is false information. My wrist pops through. We see the bone. And then, shout out Mrs. Woodward. She was like a second <laughs> mother to me. But she comes out and says, I think it's just sprained as she it sees my been. bone on the grass. It could have been. Could have been. been, man. It could have been. It could have been. But you now know, I finally get a question. I get to talk to you. 
<laughs> I get to talk to you every day, but I get to give you a question on the pod. So I'll ask you this. Obviously, I know what you're going to say, national championship, blah, blah, blah. But why don't you tell everybody why Colgate is such a great, not only program, but this year is such a great team? Um, uh, well, I mean, that, that can answer, obviously, in two parts. Uh, first, I'll, I'll just talk about the program for a little bit. Um, the program's uh, really been elevated over the last 10 years, ever since uh, Coach Langle became the, the new head coach. Colgate was, we were bad. In the Patriot League, we were really bad. We were the bottom half finisher for the past, the, the previous few years before Coach Langle had uh, arrived here. And uh, once Coach Langle got here, he really he really changed the program around. He really uh, just instilled. Um, I mean, he instilled a lot of new, obviously, plays and brought in new recruits that you know obviously helped us uh, get better. It was more of a cultural shift. A lot more, from what I've heard, a lot more accountability and a lot more, you know hard work and dedication that he brought um, that really rubbed off on all the players. And so that really molded and shaped everything that has happened and all the success we've had over the past last few several years. So um, this year, uh, especially, um, is such a good team just because I think just uh, one, the depth we have on our team, we can easily uh, go 10 guys deep and have you know every single guy out there be uh, a contributing member on the court you know we've got uh, a couple of guys coming off the bench who are shooting like the 40s from three and you've got uh you know oliver lynch daniels coming off the bench who's you know been a really good uh, secondary ball handler once jb and nelly come out and i mean everything really starts uh with the with jb and nelly and tucker and those guys um in the in the front in the backcourt whoa in the backcourt um, because they have, they have the most experience and they have the most leadership on the, or they are the oldest and the wisest, I guess. And they're, they're the best leaders on the team just because they've been there in so many different situations over the past uh, three and four years. And, you know, that's really helpful with, you know, our front court being so young. I mean, we start two sophomores and our, our next two front court players are both, uh, both me and Sam uh, Thompson are both freshmen. So, you know, having that experience in the backcourt and, you know, just not just experience, but just absolutely outstanding players um, all around in the backcourt, you know, really helps elevate, you know, the younger guys who, you know, without that type of leadership and without that type of, you know, mentorship, I think we, we could struggle with such a young front court. Sounds good. Sounds good, Jeff. I'm sure I'll talk to you later today, if not tomorrow, but thanks Roger. for joining as well. And see you soon. All right, peace. So, Keith and Ty, I want to address this because both of these teams have been red hot. Illinois and Ohio State have both won four in a row. So it's about time we start debating this. Guys, will Illinois or Ohio State end up as a one seed this season? Ty, you take it first. So, personally, I was a person that didn't really like this Ohio State team before their four-game win streak. Now they picked up a win against Wisconsin at Wisconsin, which was pretty huge. And to be fair, other than that game against Penn State, they've dominated the competition. I know they played Iowa and there was only a four-point game, but it just felt like Ohio State was running that game. And so if, and this is a big if, if Ohio State can win the Big Ten, I think they'll be a one seed. If they don't win the Big Ten, I don't think there's a way Illinois or Ohio State will be a one seed. So do you think they will? Do you think Ohio State will win the Big Ten? 
It's going to be between Ohio State and Michigan, obviously. Usually it's like that in football. Now we got it in basketball, which is an interesting scene. It's going to be tough. Ohio State did catch fire at the right time. I don't know how long they can hold this fire, but I'm going to take Michigan. So I think Ohio State will be a two seed. Um, I think Ohio State plays Michigan in the championship. It'll be a close game thin and through. But I think Michigan comes out on top. Yeah, I mean, Michigan has a three-game lead on Ohio State in that mm-hmm. conference. And they play each other. Um, and that is a home game for Ohio State on February 21st. But I just don't see Ohio State catching up with Michigan. So I agree. Michigan remains a one seed. But this Illinois team. I mean, you know, I early in the year I was high on them. Harris was kind of clowning us because they kept losing games. When we I were was, like, yes. And we were saying, this is a really good team. Yeah. We see it coming here in front of our eyes. Um, and it's happening now. I mean, this is a team that is now on a four-game win streak. Penn State, Iowa, at Indiana, and against Wisconsin, all quad one games. And like you said, they've been rolling through the competition. Um, and they have an easy schedule coming up. I mean, the game against Michigan just got postponed. And they have Northwestern at home, at Minnesota, Nebraska at home, at Wisconsin, at Ohio State. So that game between Illinois and Ohio State may be the thing that kind of puts one over the top heading in to the Big Ten tournament and gives one of the two a lead in the clubhouse. And for Ohio State, it's really going to come down to how Purdue plays. If if Harris is right and Purdue keeps pushing towards that that four line, maybe even a three seed if they really go off, um, they could be looking okay, but losing twice to Purdue could end up being their biggest downfall. Harris, what do you think? And y'all know I've been a big proponent of the Big Ten this season. Oh, we know. I'm yeah. going to continue. I'm going to continue. You think they're this. the best team, in, or rather, best conference in basketball. I do. Which, which is, is blasphemous, which but is sure. <laughs> that is not cap. We can pretend. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say this. Who's to say the Big Ten can't get two one seeds? Me. Because you have Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan. Yeah. Illinois, and Ohio State. The resumes are better than Houston. I mean, Agreed. after the loss against East Carolina, safe to say that. Bama, the resumes are better. UVA, better resume. Nova, better resume. Agreed. After that, there's not many teams that can challenge. As of now, Illinois and Ohio State both control their own destiny in the one-seed line, I believe. It's up to who will finish better, obviously. I think that's going to be Illinois. I think Illinois right now is a significantly better team. Also, Ohio State struggles on defense. Yeah, they do. They're 73rd on Ken Palm in defensive efficiency. And I feel like since Iowa's gotten the major spotlight for being 120th in defensive efficiency, no one has been talking about Ohio State. Yeah, they've been given a pass. Exactly. Illinois is extremely balanced. Ohio State doesn't have that. So I'm going to say Illinois ends up a one seed, and Michigan keeps it up, and they end up on the one line as well. So I believe that Illinois will end up a one seed this season. Mark it down. I tend to agree with you, Harris. Oh my god. Well, well, well. Great minds Why? think alike. <laughs> Why not, Ty? Why one not, Ty? Sh- one chucklehead is left in the dark. The other <laughs> two are going to be proven to have smarticle particles. Like yes. So, are you both assuming that Virginia is going to lose the ACC? I'm not assuming that, but they have a lot of work to do to get to a one seed, and that San Francisco loss. Yeah, yeah that's huge. It stinks. It stinks. And that blowout loss to Virginia Tech. I mean... There's just more opportunities for them to trip up. Yeah, and there's not many good opportunities either for UVA. They play UNC and Florida State. Those are their best games. I mean, I don't know. And then you're also kind of assuming Houston's not going to win out, right? Houston is assuming Carolina. And we're assuming Alabama isn't going to win the SEC. I just think there's too many opportunities where I'm agreeing with you. I think one of them is going to get a bit for the one seat, right? And then you have Baylor-Gonzaga. 
Michigan slash Illinois slash Ohio State, whatever you want to draw it as. But I think the only way that one of Michigan, or rather two of Michigan, Illinois, and Ohio State gets in as a one seed is Michigan has to lose the Big Ten. Ooh, wow. And I by know. Big Ten, I mean Big Ten championship. I don't mean regular season. Oh, okay, got you. Yeah, because... Michigan's in there pretty firmly. They oh, yeah. don't have a bad loss. Exactly. And if so, Michigan rides it out, they yeah. should be fine. So so them taking two more they can take two more quad one losses and probably still be a Exactly. Team. Just like you're saying. They did lose to Minnesota by eighteen. That's they did, but it was at Minnesota. That's firmly right. a quad one game. I'm just You've playing seen, devil's advocate. Agreed. You've yeah. seen other teams take worse losses, but <clears throat> Ty, you, you mentioned Virginia at first. Take a look at their schedule the rest of the way. I mean, most of those games are on the road and against pretty legit teams, so they they could easily slip up. It's gonna be interesting to see how yeah, it all plays sure. out. You know. Yeah, I would I would say that's the case for sure. And and that makes college basketball compelling because we right. don't know who that last team's gonna and be. And we won't know until Selection Sunday happens. Yeah, agreed. All right, so moving ahead here, we're gonna get started on some of our segments. So we have a new segment that's a little bit of an opposite of our beloved segment. Sorry to burst your bubble, but. but we now have welcome, welcome to, to the, the bubble. bubble. We need to get on sync for that one, but <laughs> we got plenty of time. So we know not every week a bubble is popped, but every week some teams kind of fall down. They take a bad loss or they get a big win and kind of get back up into the bubble. And this year the bubble's been thin, but it's starting to expand, expand a, little, a little bit. starting yeah. to get a little bigger. You're taking a little more breaths than the balloons. Getting yes. larger. So, Harris, what are some teams this week that you notice that are kind of trending more towards the bubble for better or for worse? So, yes, sometimes when teams get on the bubble, it's good news. You know, you've built a resume, you're in tournament contention, but sometimes it can be bad news. Yep. Welcome to the bubble, UCLA. I thought UCLA oh. was going to be around a 6 7 ish seed, but after a blowout loss against USC and yeah. sliding down all the way to 38th on Ken Palm, I'm going to officially say it. UCLA's on the bubble, and they have some work to do if they want to get off it. Here's what I'm going to say about UCLA say it. They don't have any good wins. They have some decent wins. No, they don't. But they don't have any. Like wins that will stick out to the committee and say, Agreed. "Hey, yes, you're worthy enough to be off the bubble. You perform well against right. good NCAA tournament competition." Because they haven't proved that, and their opportunities they've lost by 15 against San Diego State. They lost by 18 against USC. It's just not convincing for me to take them off the bubble. Yeah, Harris, could we say that they are a chicken wing with no meat on it? <laughs> uh oh. Oh my god. Here we go again. <laughs> my favorite analogy this time of year that I just came up with two weeks ago, but I think it applies. It's Ty. truly a beautiful analogy. Thank you, thank you. Ty, what do you think about UCLA? I know you're chomping at the bit to get talking about the Bruins. I love you and your chicken wing analogies, but making me hungry. Harris, define I'm your being hungry. Define your quote unquote bubble, like an eleven seed, ten seed. Is like is that what we're talking about? Because I still think UCLA is an eight seed. I would not. I would not say they're an eight seed. Like they I com- no- I com- I completely think they're an eight seed. Outside of uh, outside of quadrant one, they're eleven and zero, and they're two and four in quadrant one, which obviously they have to work on, and that kind of shows that they it might hold them back in the tournament. But they also play in the Pac twelve, where they're playing Washington State, Washington. But I mean, we don't have to get to that. I just think that they're a top eight seed, and you know, let's say they're not an eight seed. I still think they're a nine seed, which wouldn't really put them in bubble contention. So I just don't know how you see them as a 11, 10, or even 12 seed. Sometimes the quad one wins aspect can be a bit manipulating. Who's their best win this season? 
right now? Right now. Colorado. On no. a good day? Yeah, I, I, I'd say it's I'd say it's either winning at Arizona or winning at home against Colorado. Both wins are by five points or less, though. Yeah, yeah, also in their last four, not only have they lost two, but their two other wins have come against Cal by four and Oregon State by five. Also, they're not balanced. Yeah, so they, they can't they can't defend. So, for me... Which is surprising for a McCronin, too. Yeah. When you have lower computer metrics, I know, guys. You love blah, computer blah, blah, metrics. We love computer obviously. metrics, love stats, blah, blah, blah. I know. I know. But UCLA doesn't have any good wins to put them off the edge. Okay? So, for me, I think UCLA is a bubble team. Welcome to the bubble University of California, Los Angeles. Yeah, one more thing I just want to put on here is, as of Friday, I had UCLA as a seven seed. They take this loss. Um... Teams like Drake, Boise State, I had them on the 8-9 line, and they took really okay, bad fair. losses over the weekend. They're dropping. Yeah. Um, you have some teams, St. Bonaventure was on the 10 line for me. They're dropping. So they, there's a lot of teams below them dropping that's kind of going to keep them afloat here, you know? Um, but, yeah, I mean, definitely, if they don't pick it up, they're going to trend towards there. Ty, who are you welcoming to the bubble? So one team that I've been looking at relatively in a positive direction, and I don't know if you guys are going to agree with this, but I'm going to put Western Kentucky into the bubble. Wow. I love it. I like like the Hilltoppers. I really like the Hilltoppers. They've won five of their last six. The one loss to Louisiana Tech, yeah, sure, a little marginal knock there, but... They're two and two in quadrant one and four and two in quadrant three. Whatever Harris's metric numbers, blah blah blah. But <laughs> either way, I like how they've been playing as of late. They end out the season against Rice, North Texas, and FIU. I think they can win all six of those games, and I think they're trending upwards. So, welcome to the bubble, Western Kentucky. May I say that Western Kentucky is below Arizona State and Ken Palm. Forks up, guys. <laughs> Fair enough. But yes, no, I I would say Western Kentucky is a fantastic basketball team. Rick Stansberry has a loaded roster. With talent, I think the Hilltoppers can make noise in the tournament. Do I think they get in as an at-large? I do not think they get in as an at-large. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really going to come down to how they play, their margin of victory. I will say one thing that's killing this team, because they have good performances. Barely lost to West Virginia on a neutral, and then they get that win at Alabama, which, as Looks we keep good. going on, that's going to look amazing. But a 21-point neutral court loss to Louisville is going to really hurt them. Yeah. Um, that That's just, if they lost that game by eight, it, we're talking about a completely different team. They're probably considered in the tournament right now, but when you play in the Conference USA and you don't have that many opportunities for great wins or great games, you can't get blown out in them. So, for my team that I'm welcoming to the bubble, a team that got a great win this weekend, their name is two words, starts with an S, Guys, I'm talking about my beloved South Carolina. Just kidding. <laughs> no. Just kidding. No. I'm talking about St. John's, the Red Storm. So the Big East, it's been in flux this year, you know? Um, Villanova's really good. Creighton is really confusing, and they have a bizarre resume that uh, I actually talked about on the College Basketball Bonanza podcast. If anyone wants to go check that out, got to plug that real quick. Good stuff. Um, our good friends stuff. over there. Um but it, it's been weird, you know. Providence looked like they were a tournament contender. They really drop out. And now yeah. St. John's just comes surging up out of nowhere with a really good win over Villanova. Um, and this is a team now that has won six games in a row. And 
You have a road win at Providence. You beat Villanova. You went at Marquette. And then you win road games at UConn and at DePaul. And this is a team that's racking up some quality wins now. I mean, yeah. And they have some good performances. They didn't get the job done. I mean, a single-digit loss at Seton Hall, single-digit loss on a neutral to BYU. Overall, this team's 2-4 and four in Quad 1, 2-2 two and two in Quad 2, 5-1 and one in Quad 3. And uh, they're going to have some opportunities down the stretch to get some quality wins. And with this bubble that's pretty thin right now overall, just in yeah. terms of teams on it, in a Big East where they're going to have opportunities for quality wins, they can easily shoot up. Yeah, genuinely saying this, I think Mike Anderson could end up as the Big East Coach of the Year when it's all said and done this year. Yeah, I yeah. can see that. Like, for me, St. John's is playing so well. They're 4-6 and six in their uh, in Quad 1 and Quad 2 games, and they've won six straight games. Yeah. They're on a six-game winning streak, guys. This was a team that had a tough start to the season, I'll Agreed. say. Uh, tough start in conference play, I'll say. But... For them, I mean, they're clicking on all cylinders. I think they now have the win against Villanova gives them the meat on the chicken wing. In other oh, words, yeah. Keith. You betcha. Uh, <laughs> the, yes, so it's what they need in order to cement themselves in the bubble. I think St. John's is, as of now, they're on first four out, next four out territory. Agreed. But if they keep playing like this, they'll be in the tournament within a week. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're sitting on the bubble, though. And real quick, shouts to Pasha Alexander. Yes. One of the best names in college hoops. Ty, what do you think? And they also have a lot of room to improve, right? Or they have, they're playing Xavier, they play at Villanova, and then they end the year versus Seton Hall. Those are three games where if they win, those are all quad one and quad two wins where you're looking at them and say, okay, we really have a chance to not only break the bubble – but potentially get not a high seed, but maybe an eight seed, a nine seed. If they win out, that's sure as hell possible. So, guys, just a question here. Is it about time we start talking about Drake as a bubble team? Yes. I think they're a One. little bit off the bubble right now on the wrong side of it. Yeah. Wow. I 100%. still have them in. Because as you look at their schedule like going into next week and obviously towards the end of the season – they are going to play Loyola Chicago twice. Which they have to win once. They need to win once. And yeah. In my opinion, I think they need to win twice. But if they lose two games there, they're going to have to win the conference to make it. And one interesting thing here is, assuming we have a Missouri Valley Conference tournament, an arch madness, right? they could play Loyola Chicago three different times. Yeah. So what combination do you all think that... If you're the Missouri Valley Conference president and you want two teams in the tournament, what combination do you think you need here for Loyola Chicago and Drake to both get in the big dance? I'm a little higher on Drake than you guys are, so I think Drake needs to win at least one to even be considered. Two would put them in. One, you're biting your nails off on Selection Sunday. But two, I think, is the magic number. And that's assuming yeah, you don't lose again, though, too. Right. 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 I think that Loyola Chicago has to lose twice in the regular season, and then Drake wins that final one in the, I guess, if they both make the championship, then then the championship. Drake's the auto bid, and then Loyola Chicago would be the at-large. Wow. That's... I think that's got to be the key to success, at least, if you I, want two teams in. I'm starting to agree with Ty now. Drake has to... They got to pick it up. I win two against them, yeah. Okay, we're going to move it on to some mid-major magic as we transition from one mid-major and Drake to another. Another one-loss mid-major, for that matter. Uh, I want to talk about the Belmont Bruins. Just one loss on the season. Guys, how good is Belmont? They're really good. Like, 
really, 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 really good. Obviously, that loss to Sanford, in my opinion, I think it was a fluke loss. They lost 96 to 83. That's a 13-point loss. But, I mean, since then, they've been flat-out outstanding. They beat Sue or Sayu, however you want to pronounce uh, it, Keith. I, I believe that's SIU Edwardsville. Yeah, I believe that's Southern Illinois Edwardsville. <laughs> okay. Indiana. Keith with the pronunciation. Either way, result. they smacked them by 30. That was kind of an easy one. And the, the really, their only <laughs> quote-unquote close win is Murray State by one. Either way, they won. Then they're ending off the season at Eastern Kentucky, Moorhead State, Jacksonville State, Tennessee Tech, Eastern Kentucky, and Moorhead State again. So they should end out the season undefeated in conference play. Then they should smack the Ohio Valley Conference. And this is going to be a team where if you're going into March as potentially, I don't know, maybe a 12 seed or an 11 seed... I'm just praying for the five seeds that they're not a 12 seed because I'm spamming Belmont on every one of my brackets if they are. Ooh, you know Belmont hasn't made it past the round of 64 in and a while. Sh- we don't like talking about that. They <laughs> did win an NCAA tournament game. It was, it was Rick, four. Rick it was Bird a won a first game. four yeah. game. Yeah, yes. that counts as the NCAA tournament. And mm. I think Belmont's really good. Um, they played 14 quad four games, so haven't really had the opportunity to showcase it. We know. A lot of big-time teams don't like playing them in non-conference because you can it's always a trap. It's a get caught. Yeah. Um, and you ask how good they are. According to Net, they're the 68th best team in the country. According to Kim Palm, they're 82nd. Um, a lot of that has to do with the strength of schedule. Right. But, yeah. but, Ty, you were talking about if they get in the tournament, they could be pesky. And I think they could be even more pesky than Belmont teams in the past. I mean, right. they have at least two players averaging 2.3 steals or better per game this year, and that would be Luke Smith and Grayson Murphy, who's their do-it-all guy, their yes. point guard. We love Grayson Murphy here. Oh, oh. he's a mighty might, isn't he? He's a little taller oh. than you, Harris. He's a little oh, taller than man. you. <laughs> um, they're going to be more gritty in the tournament, too. Yeah. Like, that 2.3 is going to go up. And and they're always a good three-point shooting team, as we know. They have great and speaking of gritty, they shoot 62% from two. Yeah. They can score inside. This that, is a different Belmont That's due to Nick, Nick Mizinski. That's yes. due to back cuts. I mean, they pass the ball so well. If you're not in your A game, the Bruins can catch you easily. Yeah, and I think if Belmont keeps this up coming in with one loss in the season, I think they can easily get in as an at-large. Yeah, I agree. Oh, really? Yes. They, I think they could. They don't even have a quad two win, though. That's true. That's true. But if you come in, and you're thinking, so Belmont got in two years ago as an at-large, correct? And and they yeah. would lose another With game to even be considered an at-large team. That's true. But it, look at the record here. You're like 25-2, and two, Keith. A 25-2 and two team not getting in the NCAA tournament. And if they're going up against a Penn State team who's like, and I know Big Ten may get 11 teams in the NCAA tournament, I still think that could happen. Okay. Against a 14 and 15 potentially Penn State team, and you get the below 500 team in. Imagine the backlash that the committee would get. Here's one thing for a frame of reference here: Stephen F. Austin wasn't even considered an at-large candidate last year, and they won at Duke and only had two losses on the season. One of those being to Rutgers, who was an NCAA tournament team, and against a really bad team from their conference. So if they weren't even considered a mainstream bubble team, if Assuming they lost their conference in their conference tournament, then I don't know what we even expect this Belmont team to be. Belmont was twenty-seven and six in twenty nineteen and made the NCAA tournament, right? As in, as an at-large. But so but they had a possible. good Murray State team. They played a harder schedule. Yes. that's true. I'll give you that. We'll have to see. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they can get in as that large, but I think 
seems really good. And I wouldn't want to play him in March. I know Texas doesn't want to play him in March. Oh, and I you damn know well know, know. And I damn well know Tennessee doesn't want to play him in March. Yeah. And we all know Kentucky ain't playing him in March because they aren't going to be there in March. <laughs> <laughs> but either way. Great take time. Yeah. Yes, Great yes. take. And moving on to, obviously Harris loves every segment on this show, but one of Harris's more profound segments is none other than... Show me the money! Sounds like a game show. In reality, we're talking about betting. But either way, <laughs> we got number 25, Rutgers, taking on number 16, Iowa. Iowa's favored by seven points. They're in need of a win. Harris, games on Wednesday at 5 p.m. our time. Who do you got? I hate this line. Because, like, and no, no, no. I hate this line for Iowa, but I love this line for Rutgers. So, in other words, show me the money, Rutgers. They've won four straight coming in against a cold Iowa team. Are they going to win this game? No. I don't think they're going to win this game. I do think they're going to lose by less than seven points. I definitely think they're going to cover. Seven's a lot of points. So, for me, I'm taking Rutgers, a top 25 ranked team that's won four straight against a cold team that can't defend. Granted, can score, but can't defend. Give me the Scarlet Knights all day. Show me the money. Rutgers, Ron Harpers. I completely agree. I don't like the seven line. I know I was in need of a win. I think they could potentially, obviously, get it, and I think they will get it. But again, as Harris said, seven's too sweet and hits the sweet spot of the line for me. And I'll take. Does hit the sweet spot. And show me the money, <laughs> Rutgers. I'll take Rutgers plus seven in this one. Guys, all three chuckleheads are in agreement here. <laughs> this comes down to simple X's and O's for me. I mean, we know Iowa's a wild card. If, if they go out and hit 15 threes, it's not a game. But I think Rutgers' defense is a constant here. And when you think about guys that they have who can defend Luka Garza, Miles Johnson may be the best defensive big man in this conference. And he's Agreed. got the size. He's huge. He's just yeah, enormous. He's huge. Yeah, he he's might be bigger huge. than Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no one's bigger than Jeff on the show. Right. <laughs> um, and, and Clifford Ruiz on the bench, too. He's yeah. a freshman. Beautiful we don't, pronunciation. We don't talk about him a lot, but they have the bodies to throw at Luka Garza. They have the defense to go into Carver-Hawkeye Arena and give mm-hmm. the Hawkeyes issues. So, show me the money. Rutgers, but moving on now, we have a fun Thursday tip here, you know, Purdue is favored by one at Minnesota, this is 6 o'clock Arizona time, 8 o'clock Eastern, Ty, who you got here? So, both teams not are in need of a win, because I think Purdue's at least in better shape for March than Minnesota is, No doubt. but I'm going to go ahead, it's going to be a hard one, but my intuition's telling me the Boilmakers... So I'm okay. going to take the Boilermakers. And Harris, I know you're going to disagree with me because I see that look on your face. you got that little smile. So let me hear those dimples and why I'm wrong. <laughs> those dimples. I love hearing the anticipation coming from you, but I'm actually, I think for the first time in a while, show, I'm going to agree with wow. you here, Tyler. I'm going to take Two Purdue. claps for Harris. You all know man. how high I am on the Boilermakers this year. Uh, they're favored by one against Minnesota. Which, which is basically a pick em. Yeah, basically a pick em. So I'm going to say, show me the money, Purdue. Mm-hmm. I'm going to disagree with y'all on this one. Wow. So Minnesota, we know they've lost five out of their last six. Um, they're not looking great right now. They really aren't. But they've had kind of a run here where they've played some tough road games. This team's 0-6 on the road, straight up. But they're 11-1 and at home. They always come to play at home. They beat Michigan at home by 18, and you're telling me that they can't beat a Purdue team that's good, but I don't know they have that extra gear to kick it up against Minnesota. And Minnesota, we said it, they're more desperate in this game. I think Marcus Carr comes through 
Liam Robbins really has a good game because I don't know how great Travion Williams is on the defensive end. Show me the money, Minnesota. and So you think the three-game skid ends for Minnesota? Yeah, I do. I mean, well, well. All right, so we're going to move on. We've got a little mid-major magic going on in the A-10 St. Fellow Bubble Mates, St. Bonaventure against Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU. VCU is favored by one. Keith, who do you got in this game? First of all, I think it's kind of funny that if you ask someone, oh yeah, how do you think Virginia Commonwealth's doing this year? <laughs> they wouldn't know. No, they wouldn't and, know. And, and then you're like, they made the Final Four that one year. And they'd be like, oh, VCU. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, um, we'll wait. Oh, yeah, we'll wait. Throws yeah. in the bags. Exactly. Um, <laughs> okay, wow. McDonald's and, bags. And, okay. and Shaka Smart, another controversial topic on this uh, this podcast. Oh, but, yes. Um, I'm taking St. Bonaventure here. I think they're the better team. I think Kyle Lofton shows out in an epic guard matchup with Bones Highland. Shout out Kyle Lofton. Kyle Lofton. <laughs> Kyle Lofton. Um, shouts to the roommate duo that lets us use their table a lot of the times. Yeah, but not uh, tonight. It's basically a pick em. I got St. Bonaventure. They've been more consistent this year and showed up against high-end competition. So show me the money, St. Bonaventure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they did lose a tough one against St. Louis, so they are a little cold, but... They've lost two games all year. I don't think St. Bonaventure is going to win two, is going to lose two games all of a sudden. And may I ask, who's at home in this game? It would be Virginia Commonwealth. Oh, Virginia Commonwealth is home. I'm still going to say St. Bonaventure goes in and spoils that. So disrespectful to the Commonwealth. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I, I think this is one of the first times that all three Chuggleheads agree on two of the three. Wow. Because I'm also going to take St. Bonaventures. They have five guys in double figures or scoring double figures. And obviously, they're very five guys. Five guys also play over 30 minutes a game, which is obviously the majority of the game. But either way, I'm taking the Bonnies in this one against VCU. Now, moving on, we have another mid major, Harris. I, it's got to hit your sweet spot now <laughs> because we got number 22, Loyola Chicago, taking on Drake. This is kind of the mid major game of the week. Loyola Chicago is favored by four, Harris. What do you got? First, let me just say, uh, when Ty agreed with me, not once, but twice, I could almost feel the earth wobble on its axis. I know. <laughs> wobble on its axis. That well, that's good. profound. That's profound. Yes, it is profound. We, we keep it profound here on Triple Threat. But, Always. you know, about the sweet spot. I'm going to say, yes, the mid-majors do hit my sweet spot. This is like hitting the golf ball perfectly right in the middle, down the fairway, on a long drive. I'm going to say Loyola Chicago takes this one and doesn't cover. So show wow. me the money, Drake. They're at home. I'm going to say Drake bounces back after a bad loss against Valpo, and they cover this game. Loyola wins. Okay, so you have Loyola, so you have Loyola winning in a really close game. In a really close game, Ty. Okay. Really close game. Well, it's going to have to be a really close game if Drake wants to pull this out, because if they don't pull this out, as Keith and I stated previously, they're going to be on the bubble, if not on the other side of the bubble, and not the good other side. Yes. Uh, I'm going to take Loyola Chicago, minus four. I like them. I like their team a lot. I think they're the best team in this conference, and I think that'll be proven on Saturday. This is a tough one. So these teams do play back-to-back -back Saturday yep. and Sunday. I think they end up splitting, but I think Loyola Chicago covers on Saturday. I think they come out hot and then Drake gets punched in the mouth a little and comes back hot. Um, yeah, I don't really have much reasoning for this. It's definitely a tough tough prediction because especially because we don't know how these back-to-backs mm -hmm. play out. Right. On Saturday, that's the game we're predicting. Loyola wins and covers J just a gut feeling here. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can see that. My question for me is Loyola is such a good defensive team, yeah. and they're going up against Drake, who just put up 57 against Valpo. So I don't know which Drake are we going to get. That's sort of the deciding factor. And frankly, I'm not sure. But anyway, moving on, Oklahoma and West Virginia, big game on Show Me the Money. The Mountaineers are at home, and they are favored by three against the Sooners. You know what, Ty? I'm going to let you go first because wow. you seem excited to preview this game. Ty, who do you have winning this Well, game? as you know, this is the best conference in college basketball, the Big 12. And these yeah, are, buddy. I'd probably say, and some could argue, two of the three top teams in this conference. I know Keith isn't going to want to hear that. but you <laughs> Right now, you may be right. Right. And they've both won four of their last five. West Virginia's only loss coming to Florida and that devastating loss. And Oklahoma's coming to Texas Tech. So both teams are, con- are relatively hot. And I think this is going to come down to the big names, and I'm going to say Miles McBride and Austin Reeves go at it. But I'm going to take McBride and West Virginia in this one. Give me the Mountaineers in this one, Harris. Guys, Austin Reeves is truly a triple threat. Yeah, he is. <laughs> See what I did there? I did. He can score. Aww, you're he, so funny. <laughs> he can score. Harris he can might pass. take my tagline as a comedian. Like, who knows? <laughs> I'm, I'm, He's trying hard. He really is. He is trying hard, <laughs> let me tell you. I'm trying really hard here, guys. But... I'm going to say OU ends up upsetting the Mountaineers and covering in this game. I don't think Miles McBride can heat up like he did against Texas Tech. Well, he can. But I'm not sure if he will. The odds against that are very slim. So I'm going to take the Oklahoma Sooners winning this game. They've been a little cold, but I think they redeemed themselves. Show me the money, Oklahoma. You're wrong. (laughs) Thank you. You're wrong. We agreed on everyone. Gosh, this is getting scary. It really is. <laughs> this thing never happened. Ever. Oh, gosh. Um, Austin Reeves isn't even the best guard in this game, Harris. Oh. Miles McBride is on a... <laughs> Deuce McBride, yeah. put some respect on his name, is on a tear right now. I mean, he... I'm sorry, is Miles lit- McBride a triple threat? He puts the ball in the bucket. He does. That's all that matters in basketball. He is on fire, had a great game against Kansas, and for Oklahoma, I mean... Victor Iwakor and Kirk Kwok, they're solid players, but... Wow, who, the pronunciation is just beautiful. I, I have to compliment always. you. Go on, sorry. But you know what's also beautiful? Watching Derek Culver play basketball and ram <laughs> right through whatever big man you throw at him. Oklahoma doesn't have the front line to stop West Virginia and Derek Culver. Um, one X-Factor is Elijah Harkless. I think he could slow down McBride, but by the second half, McBride goes ham. Culver keeps them in in the first half. And West Virginia wins and covers. Show me the money, West Virginia. Moving on here, we have a big-time Big East battle. Villanova is favored by one at Creighton Saturday, 3 o'clock Arizona time, 5 o'clock Eastern. Ty, who you got? Well, I'm not a big fan of Villanova, and the reason for that is because people call them a Philadelphia sports team, and they are not a Philadelphia sports team. They are in King of Prussia. They are about 10, 15 miles from Broad Street. I don't know why their parade was on Broad Street. Either way, I'm taking the Wildcats. I like Villanova in this one. The last five, they've been pretty great. Obviously, they lost to St. John's, who... Yeah, I know they're the Red Storm, but they're red hot right now. I think Jeremiah... You like that? You like that? Uh, I think Jeremiah and Robin Earl has been playing phenomenal this season. He's averaging over 15 points per game, shooting really 50%. He's been phenomenal, so... I'm gonna take the Wildcats in this one, and I think they advance to eight and one in conference play. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say Villanova favored by one against Creighton. Villanova's clearly the better team. Yeah. Villanova, this is a pick'em. 
And so I'm going to say Villanova covers. Jay Wright never loses twice. Sure, uh, twice in a row. He lost to St. John's. He's going to bounce back. And this is a Creighton team that's been... Keith, I know your tweet about Creighton. It was pretty accurate. They're kind of a cold team right now. So I'm going to say Villanova. This is a cakewalk. Villanova, show me the money easily. So Villanova doesn't... Or if they lose this game, it's probably not going to be twice in a row because they played DePaul on Tuesday. <laughs> Just want to put that. In. And Good they had a win. Harris. And they Good had a win over Georgetown on Sunday. Good Finder research, back, Harris. Good Finder research. For the sake of interest here, I really want to take Creighton, but I just can't. This is a team that really isn't playing that well right now. And who's going to slow down Jeremiah Robinson Earl? Yeah. On that Creighton team, I don't yeah. know. I mean, I love Damian Jefferson. I love Christian Bishop, but on the defensive end, they're six foot seven. They're just not getting it done. Yeah, exactly. And Creighton's fifty seventh in defensive efficiency right now on Ken Palm, and we love Ken Palm. Oh, you <laughs> love him more than anybody. Do you? Um, I can tell. Yeah, and and this Villanova team is even better offensively than Creighton. So yeah, show me the money, Villanova. It's kind of anticlimactic, but oh well. And moving on now, we have a big-time Big Ten battle. A lot of big-time battles this weekend. A lot of big. In the big conferences. Mm-hmm. Almost oh. as big as Jeff Woodward, but never just as big. <laughs> Suck up. <laughs> um, Michigan is favored by one at Wisconsin. Kind of a weird line here, you know? You'd expect Michigan to be favored by a little more, but this is an early tip. 11 o'clock Mountain Standard Time on Sunday. Valentine's Day. Aww, oh, gosh. So cute. Valentine's Day? Yeah. Harris, who's your Valentine's stats? I'm here stuck with you guys. (laughs) Would you, Ty, would you be my Valentine? No, because your Valentine's already stats. (laughs) Yeah, Ty's my my fallback option. Ty's my Valentine. Yeah, sorry. We already already made that. All right, Harris, Michigan, or Wisconsin? Please be right. Uh, I mean, there's only one answer. I want to take Wisconsin. Why? Just to mess with you guys okay but but i i know it's just not true michigan's lost one game this season so i'm gonna stick to the facts i'm gonna stick to the stats okay in which michigan is better offensive and offensive efficiency and in defensive efficiency i mean if you look at michigan as well they're 58 percent from 200 dickinson's a monster is nate ray nate reavers reavers not ray Uvers. (laughs) sorry try to make it too cute is Nate Reavers going to shut down Hunter Dickinson? Come on. No. No. No, he's not. And real quick, show me the money, Michigan. Yeah, That's me- all I'm going to say about this. Because yeah, like, I bet Michigan. my whole life savings on Michigan. Do you remember the last time you said <laughs> you were betting your whole life savings on something? When was that? All right, Ty. I just remember that bet didn't I, hit. I remember, too. Either way, I'm taking all my life savings, throwing it on Michigan, <laughs> because Hunter Dickinson's a monster. No one expected him to be this good. Franz Wagner is playing, like, basically a lottery pick, and Isaiah Livers is shooting 95% from the free throw yeah. line, so don't get him to the line. They have three guys over 10 points, six guys over eight points per game. They're one of the deepest teams in the nation. That's all I have to say. Is he stealing your stats? Oh, stick. someone's stealing my thunder here. I have to. Oh, he's I getting mean, a little jealous of my balance. I line. think Michigan is as close <laughs> to that Baylor-Gonzaga line as anybody, and then it goes get Baylor-Gonzaga, drop Michigan, and then another drop for your four kind of team. Yeah, I mean, it's... Pretty quite simple here. I'm gonna say Michigan. Ty, a whole lot of drops there, just like the Kansas City Chiefs. <laughs> you got that right. You got that right. I'm so sorry for Patrick Mahomes. Your receivers are not that good. Yeah, yeah, I, I would, I would agree. Yeah, and um, Tyreek Hill deserved that from Antoine Winfield. Let me just say. But moving on, uh, Virginia, Florida State. This is the last one we've got here, and we're gonna close it out with a banger. Keith, 
Do you got the Cavaliers or do you have the Seminoles? As he hits the Millie Rock, what do you got? This is a tough one, man. This is a tough one. These are the top two best teams in the ACC. Harris is trying to distract me with like a seatbelt dance. It was it was the disco. It's not as cool <laughs> as the Millie Rock. Wow. I don't know why you're trying it. <laughs> Show me the money, Florida State. Uh, Virginia has looked kind of immortal at sometimes and very mortal in games against Virginia Tech, games against San Francisco. Florida State was just hitting their stride, and then they did have a tough game where they were hitting an unreal percentage of threes, and then it kind of dipped off against Georgia Tech. They've been on a COVID pause. I feel like they come out hot. If they can have a game against Wake Forest on Saturday, that would be really good in getting them back Wake in Forest rhythm. is always a confident self-esteem booster. Oh, games. lately. Yeah, it is. But uh, <laughs> watch out, because Steve Forbes has that thing on the up and up. Shouts to ETSU. Um Give me Florida State. I, I love their front line, and I think it can really give Virginia problems. Show me the money, Florida State, and that's a big Monday night treat for us before we record the next episode. Yeah, I mean, Florida State's, again, coming off of a loss against Georgia Tech, but the Wake Forest game is going to change that. Uh, Keith, tell me the names of the Twin Towers at Florida State. Pronounce Bal- these things for Balsa Koprovica and Raekwon Gray. Yes. I think Florida State's going to dominate on the inside against UVA. Now, UVA can stroke it from three, yes. But sometimes, against good teams, they have been a little bit suspect this year at times. So I'm going to say, show me the money, Florida State. And I really don't know with this one, because these are two great teams in the ACC. Both teams are, I think, undisputedly the top two teams in the ACC. And also, Virginia has a tendency to play well towards the end of the season. I know they haven't been playing the best basketball as of late. They just got blown out by Virginia Tech yes. a couple weeks ago. But I'm going to take... It's really hard for me. I think if Tony Bennett wants a one seed, he's got to win out, and he's got to win Facts. the ACC. Facts. I think that's the only way Virginia gets a one seed. Yeah. But I'm going to take Florida State. Oh. I know the three chuckleheads usually never agree, but for about the fourth or fifth time this episode, they agree. I think MJ Walker's going to have a phenomenal game against Virginia. I think... Virginia doesn't have that many great defensive guards that can handle him. He also shoots 90% from the free throw line, which in my opinion is the biggest thing in college basketball. It's your biggest weapon. Is free throws. You can take advantage of it. Exactly. So I think Florida State will come out on top with this one. And Harris, obviously you're going to outro this, but what an episode. Ty, what an episode indeed. And for Tyler Conrad, Kentucky Bandwagon, and Keith Dotley, fellow Chucklehead, this is Harris Hicks. Thank you guys for listening to Triple Threat on Blaze Radio and Blaze Radio Online. And also, for our very own Jeff Woodward, a friend of the show, if you will. This was a great episode. Thank you guys for listening, and be sure to tune in next week. It's going to be a good one. Yep.